Hello, my name is Peter Englert. I am from the Why God Why podcast. It's we... good you're from the Why God Why podcast because that's what people are listening to right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> guys, uh, you know, friends. I'm glad you're from there. Friends, brothers, and yes. sisters, I just want to point out to you it's a Friday afternoon. <laughs> John is in a very special place. So John he Amayo is, is our co-host. in a special place right next to you from right. the Why God Why podcast. <laughs> and then um, we have our friend Dylan, who's our uh, stupendous producer. Yeah. Today, we have a very interesting topic. Uh, we are asking the question, why does our music divide us? We are here with our friend who has come to Browncroft. He's also been on this podcast before. And the question is, why does our music div- divide us? And we are here with Marvin Mumford. Yeah. and um, Exclusive second time guest club. That's a big deal here in the Why God Why podcast. So Saturday Night Live. I just Live, want to acknowledge that. Saturday Night Live, Why God Why, other he's podcasts. A, he's a worthy, worthy second guest. Probably won't be his last time either. Well, I might, maybe for him. For us, we'll invite him back, but I don't know if he'll say yes again. But anyway. Well, hey. Anyway. Let, let's get this started. So let's. I just want to kind of start. Um, I'm very thankful for friends that are musical because I'm not. Mm. I clap. I call it the silent clap so mm. that people can't tell that I'm clapping on beat right. or off beat. Yeah, and... Our whole church does that clap, actually. Oh, oh, they yeah. do. They do. <laughs> it's very silent. Anytime anybody is asked to clap, it's 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 slightly <laughs> on beat for two beats, and then and then it fades very quickly. You guys can't see this, yeah, and you can't, can't. hear it, but I'm clapping. Right yeah, now. anyway, <laughs> he is. I I saw him. It's it's kind of sad, actually. Um, this I think so. We've had a lot of conversations about you know racism and prejudice. And I'm excited to drill down deep because not just in the church, but I also think in the world, in some ways, getting super specific of how we're divided, Mm. I think is a helpful way for us to to see an issue in a new way. And that's why I'm glad to have Marvin. Yeah, this is going to be a cool combo. Um, I I have reached that stage of my life where um, my kids are now uh, questioning my musical tastes. And uh, that's that's a that's a sad state. You always know that you're going to be there. Uh, but then when your kids are like, you just don't understand my music. You're like, oh, I get all music. And then you're but then you actually don't really understand their music. And then you're sad inside your 18 year old self just cries a little bit inside of your soul. So anyway, that's the stage I'm at. So there's there's a lot of uh, discussion about this, even within my own home. Why does our music divide us these days? Well, Marvin, as always, you're here to help us fix us. <laughs> um, let, let's start here. Um, why are you so captivated by music? Kind of give that story. I think that'd be helpful because music's a big part of your life. Um, music for me has been uh, a refuge uh, in the midst of a lot of craziness that's been going on in my life. Um, I can go to music. I can pick up my guitar or bass or sit down behind a piano and it just settles my heart, those musical notes. And and that's probably why um, there are three people uh, that the enemy definitely goes after in the church. Hmm. The senior pastor, the youth pastor and the worship pastor. Those three entities right there. And he understands if I can get the head of the church, then the body will fall. 
Or if I can't get the head, but I can get the youth, the future of the church, then the body will fall. But if I can't get the head or the future, then I will manipulate the music so that now it's okay to hear and play and do anything. And so um, you're, you're, you're somewhat lulled to sleep in his tricks and his tactics. And so that's why um, music is so important. You know, um, when you look at scripture, it talks about, you know, uh, Satan um, uh, being this beautiful being who was in charge of the music realm, if you would say that, you know, uh, paraphrasing that. And so if that's the case, if that was one of my main gigs, you know, uh, that's one of the main tools that I'm going to go after. Uh, but for me, music has always been able to settle me, has always been able to bring peace to my my heart and mind. Uh, and it's just a um, a good place to be, man. I learned at a very young age to beat on some drums or uh, uh, tringle, you know, two fingers on a piano or something like that. And it's a sense of accomplishment, you know, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little <laughs> of accomplishment that I've created something, I've done something, you know, that can that I can keep forever. And it just has grown uh, from that for me, man. It's a blessing to have my boys follow in my footsteps uh, with um, being musicians and um, well, a pay grade above me as a musician. My boys are phenomenal. Uh, so I'm just thankful for music, really. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I, so so that kind of brings the question then. I mean, you're, you're kind of hinting at this, like like what makes for for a positive music experience and what makes for a negative one? Because I think it feels like so subjective for a lot of us, right? I mean, like my tastes are different than somebody else's tastes, you know? I mean, we all got something different. So is there something that you go like, man, this is, let, let's, let's, let's go there in the context of the church for a second, because right. not everybody right. listening is going to church regularly or anything like that. But a lot of them have people that are listening here have questions about the church. So there's, you know, all sorts of different backgrounds in church in terms of music, what that looks like in each service. Like what makes it a good experience versus a negative one? Is there such well, a thing? Like, can you define it? I don't know. You can. And, and the very first thing we want to understand, music in its in its basic core is not good or bad. Mm. Music at its basic core. Mm -hmm. It's it's what changes is that I can I can play a melody and and, and sing different lyrics on top of it. And, and that's what changes and 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 pushes me to a point of. Uh, rage, anger, frustration, mad, uh, uh, you know, all these other kind of emotions or joy, you know, sense of uh, accomplishment and things of that nature. So it, it becomes down to what are the, the lyrical content that sits on top of the music? Because we think, well, you know, well, you know, this song is it. You know, no, no. I can strip the lyrics off a song and just play some music. And it just it's just it's just chords. It's just notes. But when I begin to put words to that, um, it begins to promote theology, doctrine or uh, uh, an agenda uh, and things of that nature. And it pushes me to paint a picture in my mind of what that writer wants me to feel. Mm. You know, uh, I love Aretha Franklin. Aretha okay. Franklin is probably one of the greatest songwriters in the world. Sm uh, Smokey uh, Robinson, you know, all those guys, you know, mm -hmm. they're great songwriters. And they would write songs to make you feel emotions about your, 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 your loved one, your significant other and things of that nature. 
Um, but then there were also songwriters who were writing songs in that era that were writing songs that were but that would force you to be enraged and be angered and be frustrated. And then you had those writers like James Brown and 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 some of the other guys who were writing socially conscious music uh, to invoke a sense of okay, we need to be about something in our lives. And so it really becomes down to the lyrical content of the music that you're listening to. So in churches, you know, we have so many different songs and things that right now we're in in an era of music like no other era in Christian music. I mean, before when you say Christian music, it was just, you know, uh, some liturgical hymns, Mm -hmm. you know, and you had your book in your hand and everybody sang the same thing and you just stood there and looked. Now we got praise and worship. You got contemporary Christian. You got gospel. You got black gospel. You got southern gospel. You got, you know, uh, reggae. You got emo gospel. You got so many different indie gospel, so many different styles of music that flows through us right now. Um, that we we have so much that we have uh, accessible to us, um, and which is a great thing to have. Um, but it's how we are using our platform. And I encourage songwriters all the time. I say, you know, you have the ability to do what no one else can do. When you pin some lyrics to something, it evokes emotions in people like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can be mad with you and come yell at you, but then I could write a song and have that same message and you would listen to it and feel totally different about what I've just said to you. Mm. Because the music behind it, the notes, the chords, they, they open our spirit up to now receive those lyrics that you are now getting. And, and, and I say this to all people all the time, what you pour into you is what will come out of you. So if you're pouring into yourself uh, uh, musical content that doesn't feed you spiritually, what will come out of you is carnality. Mm. That's just the way it is. Uh, and so uh, in, in our Christendom right now, um, we've, we've tried to push the envelope so far. You know, we, we, you know, we, we're writing and, and, and we're, we're on the bubble of how we want to express, you know, what God is and who we are to God. And so we're almost using lyrics as if we were talking to our spouse. And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, bro, there's a difference in this thing between me and God and me and my spouse. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. So there's a way I should. Now, as a Christian writer, I should be writing love songs, but those aren't the songs that I'm going to be singing in church. You mm-hmm. understand the difference in that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, so I want to get to the church because I I think all of our listeners probably have had some experience where they walked into church and thought the music was weird or something like that. There's there's a little bit of that, but I actually want to get about 30, 40,000 feet deeper. So, you know, it's funny. We we've been doing podcasts on the election. We've been doing racism. You know, I hear a lot of, you know, read you know, articles and books outside of, you know, people that agree with you. I hear spend time with people outside your circle. And the funny thing is I don't hear people talking about music that way, you know? So, so here's the deal. You just mentioned Smokey Robinson and Aretha Franklin. I don't know when the last time I listened to a song by them. And like (laughs) what you're saying is music shapes us. And I don't want to get super specific, but if you tell me the genre of music you listen to, I can probably make a safe assumption of how you feel about some of the issues that are going on in our culture right now, the election. And before we kind of jump dive into church, 
how you know what is the opportunity and the challenge of music bringing us together because you're talking hey there's a lot of people that are using music to emote emotions that are unhealthy but then there's other people that are like no i'm trying to give you a message here whether or not it's like a christian i'm trying to help you how do you see all of that um, uh, that's, um, the, the statement that you made about listening to, you tell me what type of music you play. I can probably tell you, you know, you know, you know, how you may vote, you know, what you like, you know, where you live and all those kind of things. You know, I would say probably about 20 years ago, we probably could have made that statement just, just point mm-hmm. blank. You know, you listen to this type of music. I know where you live at. I know what type of food you eat. I know what type of people you hang out about 20 years ago. We could have done that. But now, because music has crossed so many barriers outside of church, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's get that yeah. outside of church. Music has crossed so many barriers where everything is so blurred. You can be riding, riding at the stop at the stoplight and you see a, a 45 year old white man playing some some Nas and Biggie. <laughs> like, why is he listening to that? Or you pull up at, 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 a, at a stop sign and see a a a 28 year old you know Hispanic lady uh, listening to some uh, uh, Coldplay. Yeah, you know you, you, like, that doesn't even matter. But that's the blurred lines that we have with the musical culture outside of church. They have not a, they have not allowed music to restrain them from going and feeling what they want to feel. Whereas in church we have. Mm. Uh, so, um, uh, when you look at any of the, the award shows, uh, you'll see, you know, you can see a Taylor Swift and, uh, and a Kanye West, even though at one time they were enemies on stage performing mm. together, mm. you know, at that, but you would not see that on the same stage, uh, in a Christian world where you would mm. see a Fred Hammond and a Michael W. Smith, although they have never been enemies and they love God, but you would never see them on the same stage. Hmm. It's so totally different. Well, well wait, so, wait, wait, wait one second. So you're saying that outside the church that people listen, you feel like people listen to diverse music. Why? Oh, yeah. Why isn't that making a difference in our culture? Because I, I, I'm, I'm very open to that. But I guess I think I, it, okay. I think it has. I, okay. I think it has It made a huge difference in our community because um the, the, the younger generation, and I consider myself a part of the younger generation. I'm 48 years old. I'll be 48 the next week. Um, and so I consider myself in the younger generation. Now, you may mean I say, say that, but I am. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go um, ahead and say it. Yeah. You're yeah, in. Yeah. You're uh, in. We'll take you. The thing about that is, is that um, um, with my generation, because the innovation of video games, because the innovation of being able to uh, be in a, a, a suburban neighborhood or urban neighborhood and, 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 and doing so many different things together, um, we begin to listen to the same type of music. We begin to go mm. to the same type of concerts. We begin to develop relationships across racial lines and things of that nature that, was, that has been very budding uh, and, and very promising. Um, and so with that, it has allowed us to be able to um, blur those lines of, of music mm. and, and culture to, to what it is. I mean, literally, mm. whenever you can see country music and you have hip hop artists doing country music, you know, with Brad Paisley and, and, and all this kind of stuff, it's like 20 years ago, that would have never happened. Right. They would have never had no artists. You know, they would have never been doing no two steps in some baggy jeans and, and all that. It would have never happened, you know. So um, uh, it has grown now. Is there more, more room for that? It is. But it has definitely changed the scope of how we view one another through our music because we have blurred those lines. 
But you also have to think about this with the generation with me. There's a generation uh, 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 in front of me or my dad and, and, and that generation who are still holding tight to what they've always known. And so those are the ones who have been in leadership uh, for a lot of things. And mm. so they've been holding on to this is what it's going to be and this is how it's got to be. And so it's made it difficult for that really to bud as I think the world should be budding. You know, so there's it's, it's growing, but it's growing with a cap on it. All right. It's, we're only going to let it get so big. And so mm. when we get to that point to where we can relate that to that generation behind us and the generation in front of us, I think it would explode exponentially. Wow. As, as you're talking. Uh, OK, so so we're kind of same generation, uh, you know, a little bit. I, I, I would say the the moment that comes into my mind where this is a reality in my experience was Run DMC and Aerosmith playing together. That's exactly I, right. I think That's exactly that, right. that that moment seemed to change everything in the music world. But what you're saying is, like, that was 30 years ago now? I don't know. Something like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that the, they first played together. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is, like, the most, like, wild thing in the universe. But but that's common now is what you're talking about. But yet right. but yet when it comes to a church space, that isn't common. Like you're it's stuck not. into one style and that's all that 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 whatever that style is is just what gets played. It doesn't matter what because, people are listening yeah, because to. Yeah, church has always been very traditional. Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to do. This is what we've always done. This is what we're going to do because these this is what our founding fathers did. And this is how we're going to stay connected to what we think our church denomination should be in the emphasis of what it is. And so we're going to hold true to these things right here. And so with that, because of the traditions, that they, because in, 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 the, in the natural world, tradition goes out the door, you know, left and right. You know, people are just, you know, you know, let's try something different. Let's just do yeah. something different. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Some people enjoy it. Some people don't, you know, and they keep it the moving. Whereas in the church is very rarely you get new ideas and new things coming in because it's like, no, 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 no. We want to, you know, Jesus didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't do that because Jesus wasn't dealing with uh, telephones and computers <laughs> and MP3s and things <laughs> yeah. of that nature. He wasn't doing that. But if he was, how would Jesus respond to the way we're doing things, you know? And so that's the aspect of where the church has really lost it, bro. Mm-hmm. We have held on to these, these great traditions and those traditions keep us in power. Mm. Those traditions keep us relevant and those traditions keep me in control. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, it just, so I, I've been thinking a lot about this podcast. Um, you know, I, I've just been kind of searching and confessing in my heart you know, I worked uh, for a Christian organization and a student um, basically, you know, called out this organization and said, you're not playing the music that matters to me. And in that moment, I mean, what I regret about that moment is I was frustrated that they posted it online so that everyone could hear and like it was just causing controversy. And I confess even now that like I missed the point. This, you know, the student was black, very upset that, you know, just, and there was like steps to have gospel music in there. But now looking back at where we are, what I'm seeing, and again, what you're affirming that happens in the church is if I can't connect to the music spiritually, then I feel like in some ways I don't necessarily belong but it's it's even harder to connect with god 
And, you know, yeah. I look back at that and the question of what do I need to sacrifice about my personal preference to help others experience the gospel? And I think that that's kind of the things that you're pointing to. Does that make sense? It makes, it makes, uh, uh, um, it's, it's, it's so, it's, it's very simple. It was exactly the way you explained it. Um, this is what happens. Um, for an African-American to start going to a predominant white church or for um, uh, either one of you guys to start going to a predominantly black church, you have to die to everything you know about God, about the Bible and about your musical preferences. You have to die to all of that. And you have to either pick up everything that they're doing or find another church. Mm-hmm. There is no, okay, man, I am who I'm going to be. And is there something in here for me as I engage with God? No, you either have to do it my way or find somewhere else to be. Mm-hmm. And I feel, and it, and it's just, just me, you know, I've been doing worship for almost 25, 26 years now. Um, God has blessed me to, to, to be on some of the biggest stages and some of the smallest uh, um, um, living rooms uh, with two or three people, you know. So um, God has blessed me to be able to do that over over a long period of time. And I've realized that everybody just wants to feel like they belong so that they can be a part of what's really happening. And when I walk into a church and I hear only Hill song mm-hmm. and I hear an electric guitar played the whole time, that's nowhere near the culture that I grew up in. Or you come to a church that, that I may be attending and you hear this big B3 organ and you got a full choir, you know, and the drummer blasting. You got a bass guitar in the forefront of it. And, you know, and it's got, they got hand clapping and they moving. And you're like, man, this is nothing what I'm used to. You know, they're doing some Fred Hammond. They're doing some Tide tribute. They're doing some, you know, the Israel Houghton. And I'm like, I don't listen to this. You know, I can't. Find. And so we, we, we immediately shut down in that instance because there's nothing that was designed in that service for everyone. Now we can't meet every need, but we should be exposing people to the glorious diversity of who God is mm. as much as we can. I can I, I I you know, I'm not the greatest, you know, this or that, but I do give an effort to saying, you know what? That's Miss Janet over there. Miss Janet is 78 years old. She's not uh, accustomed to the contemporary music that we're doing. She's only known hymns, and she's only known hymns a certain way. So let me add one or two of those in my worship throughout the month. I don't have to do it every Sunday, but let me include her in this worship experience. I see there's, there's, there's two black families that now go to our church. Now, I'm not a great gospel artist, as some worship leaders say, but you know what? I'm going to try to now add something. You know, it may be my version of something Israel may be doing or Fred Hammond may be doing, but I want to, because I want to include them. I want them to feel a part of this worship experience. You know, we have many people from so many different backgrounds. You know, one of the churches that I've been helping out here lately, and I just became the uh, interim worship pastor for, they have a multiplicity of ethnic people going to that church. Now, I can't do, you know, uh, songs. Uh, uh, I've got two songs I do in Spanish, just two. Mm-hmm. But I do those two very well. You know, <laughs> I don't have any of that Ebo, you know, all these kind of things. But I'm willing to learn something so that I can meet them, as Paul says. I become all to win all. That's what I need to be able to do as a worship leader. And when the pastor stands, he stands to deliver the word that can meet every need, not just you know, my white counterparts or my black counterparts or my Hispanic counterparts, you know, the word is for everybody. Um, uh, we just had a, a, another presidential debate 
Mm. I'm not going to make this political or anything like this. But a question was asked of the gentleman. And one of the men said, you know, this group is doing this and that's why we need to get them out and we need to be doing this and we need to do it. And the other person said, I'm going to be, I'm running with this uh, particular group, but I'm going to be the president for the whole United States, not the Republican parties, not the Democrat, not the Republican states or the Democratic states. I'm going to be the president for every state of the United States. And that resonated hugely with me. Because the other account, the other partner said, you know what? Well, these people and this group of people, uh, they are doing this and we don't want to be a part of what's happening with that because we need to be doing this right here. And in that one moment, what he said was, I'm going to be a president of the people who look like me, act like me and agree with me. Mm. Everybody else, you are on your own. Mm. That's what I got from that. Yeah. Now, that may not be what he was saying. That may not be totally. But that's what I got. And so as a worship leader, as music in the church, that's what we say when they stand up there and we do just one style of music and we do it and, and we do it greatly. But we're only meeting one group of people. Yeah. And so that, that doesn't allow for everybody to come in and get at the cross because your element of worship really sets me up to what I'm going to how I'm going to interpret what this preacher's getting ready to say to me. He could be a phenomenal speaker, but your worship has now put a barrier up there to whatever he says. I've already got a, a defense mechanism, whether I'm going to receive it or whether I'm going to reject it. Mm. Wow. Wow. I, there's so much in what you're saying right there, Marvin, that's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's there's like 15 different tracks I want to run down right now all at the same time. So uh, I'm going to try to narrow it down even as I'm thinking through this. But one of the things that you're talking about is music's ability to bring us together rather than to, to drive us apart. And yeah. you're you're also talking about, uh, you know, you, you referenced before kind of uh, the message behind the music really really being the the most important thing is is the message that's conveyed within the music and i i think right. you know this is something that actually as i've gotten into some convos with my teenage kids about music that that they they are teaching me which is really kind of fun it's kind of fun to be in that spot you know um where they're like you know you know dad the the you know cuz cuz i'm kind of the uh the old school uh 80s rock hair band kind of thing they go they're like they're like uh you know what what messages are there in there there's like no there's no like deep meaning in any of that that gets me so frustrated because there's no like deep meanings and and meanwhile you know uh my kids are actually i I don't know if i should you know i don't know if this is uncool as a dad or not but they're into they're they love rap you know they're they're that's what they enjoy and the reason why for them is because it's speaking to a deeper to deeper things that are going on within a cultural context and they go this is these people's lives they're expressing what's happening in their lives and so so we've exchanged spotify playlists as a family and learned from each other and it's been kind of a really fun adventure but um yeah could could you expound on that how that plays in a church setting like how how does like deep meaning play in in the music that we're we're listening to and the and and that meaning, how is that driving us and and uniting us together? What would it look like in a church setting to have music that actually did that? Well, you know, the thing about for me, you know, I, I, I explain to worship leaders whenever I'm doing a conference or I come to someone's church and, and I'm doing a workshop. Um, 
worship for me, worship music. And that's what we're talking about in this context. So you can have Christian mm-hmm. music. Yes, inspirational music. But then there's worship music, the music that we stand from the pulpit to declare to God and to the people uh, um, as worship. Um, the Bible says that you shouldn't add or take away from the scripture. Mm-hmm. But in my mindset, I think that the songs that we sing as worship, they should be able to be an extension. If you laid the Bible down and then you put that song beside the Bible, you should almost be able to flip into that song mm-hmm. that you're singing because it's correlating and it's speaking of the truth and the knowledge and the understanding that God wants us to have about him, about us, about life, about everything. And many times we have, you know, the early worship music, the, 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 some of the earlier worship, the, the, the Vineyard and, and Keith Green and, and uh, uh, Don Moore and Lena Blanc and Amy Grant, all those, you know, some of what we consider the pioneers of the worship movement. Um, they were writing songs to God. It was almost like David in his prayers, as you see in the Psalms. It was like, you know, you know, this is God. I love you, God. You were this. They were writing to God. Now we have moved into the realm of let's just talk about God Mm. and uh, let's just talk about what we need to do for God. So in those messages, um, the theology that we have and the doctrine that we have in those songs, they pull us this way because when you're standing as a pastor and your theology is this way, you won't sing these songs because you think Mm. these songs are not theologically or doctrinal that fit with what you are doing as a pastor. Then it goes into, well, if I'm doing this type of music, then that pastor or, or that worship leader won't you know, do this because it's not fitting with what his pastor is thinking theologically uh, and doctrinally. Because every denomination has their set of theology and doctrine that they think is greater than sliced bread when it all should be just one. You know, I was in the nation of Islam. And one thing about Muslims you know, you got Shiite Muslims, you, 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 you got three different sets of Muslims. And so but the core basis of, of, of a Muslim is all the same. The core basis of it is all the same. Uh, you have nuances that are different because of the leaders and things. that ended, But the core basis of it is the same. It's the same Quran for all three. Hmm. But in Christianity, we have the same Bible, but they're so different in the theology and doctrine, so different. And so that plays into the music and it plays into how we interpret what we're going to do from that stage. Mm-hmm. And now that puts that divider in there to where, OK, the music that you do. OK, if you do that song, then you're, you're, that's not it. That's no, 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 no. You're way off course with that song right there. And this group over here is like, wait a minute, that song speaks of the truth of God. What, what? No, but this it's not. So you're, you're over here. So. Therein lies that divide again because our theology and our doctrine have gotten into our music so much so that it's, it's, it's dividing in this way. And now we got this wide chasm that we have at our churches. And so music should be bringing us together. We should be able to sing songs. It's like, you know, that's the same God that I'm talking about, the same God that you love. That's the God that I love. And, and this song speaks to that. It should be that way, but it hasn't been that way. Because we are human. And that's the aspect that we need to understand. We are human. And so our humanality has drifted into our song and our interpretation of songs that have pushed people far away. We don't realize this, but the only reason why um, you guys go to a church that's probably predominantly white and someone else may go to a, a church that's predominantly black is because of racism. It's not because of God. 
And because both groups have divided and you have two groups that are saying God loves them, but they're coming from two different aspects of it. It lends to the point of, okay, maybe there's a, there's a different way God looks at me than he looks at you. And so it divides us. And our songs depict that on a weekly basis, bro. You got a beautiful text message that was almost amening you in the middle of that. So um, let me um, let me frame it this way, because I'm sure that there's listeners who are de-churched who grew up during what people call the worship wars. And what those were was... Oh, people oh, yeah. call them the worship wars? Oh, you didn't yeah. know that? No, I didn't know that. Oh, oh wow. Well, See, there was something I didn't even know. So, yeah. so uh, you know, Browncroft went through it. Um, I went through it growing up in Binghamton, New York. And, and what it was is you had a younger generation that wanted to um, have a style of music that fit their kind of comfort and, you know, and just kind of the idea of we want to have music that would be in the culture that people would be comfortable with. And then you had an older generation and you kind of mentioned this before with your dad that said the music's too loud. It's disrespectful. We have these deep, meaningful hymns. And, and now, you know, just, it seems like from what you and I had to talk on the phone, it seems like this is just, represented itself right. in a different way. But what is your response to that? I mean, how do you navigate that? Cause you talk like, it's not like you can sing, you know, all these different styles of songs. I mean, at most you sing four to five songs right now. Churches are online. They're singing two songs and there's people out there that left church because you know what? Sister so-and-so said I was of the devil because I played drums. <laughs> that is so true. And and in that aspect, I would tell those people who are who are new to just the, 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 the church world in and of itself, you know, we don't always represent God correctly. We don't feel it in that. Mm. And so um even for me, I had to come to that understanding that the people that I that 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 I knew um represented God, I had to come to the realization they are not representing the God of this Bible that I am reading, you know? And so that freed me mm-hmm. from the, the the prison and restraints of what they were saying and what they were doing and how they had to have things done. You know, for me as an African-American worship leader who has, who has been on every kind of stage that you possibly can be on, I've had some of my black friends who say, hey, man, you, you, you go over there with that acoustic guitar playing that white music. And then I've had some of my, 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 my white friends, hey, man, you, you, you play those jazz chords and that gospel stuff that you do, you know. And then I've had some of my Hispanic friends that say, man, you, 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 you play a little bit of this and play a little bit of that. What are you? Who are you? You know what I'm saying? So I've been able to navigate all of those worlds. Why? Because everybody that is associated with me that is a friend of mine is not, a, is, is not black. I have Hispanic, mm. I have Asian, I have um, Ukrainian, you know, uh, Italian. Uh, all those people who have poured into my life over the years has, has has built who I am. And my wife said this to me before we got married. You know, I was I was courting her. That's what they used to call it back then. I was courting her. And she really <laughs> didn't want to have anything to do with me. But this is one thing that she said to me. She said, um, those who not exposed will be exposed. And I'm like, what? Because I had come from the neighborhood, I come from being, you know, without and I was, you know, making a little bit of money, doing my little thing. And 
she went to go to a very fine restaurant. Her family was very affluent. You know, you know, they, they had butlers and maids and things of that nature. As African-Americans in Indiana, her dad was very successful, you know. So she comes from the high city side of town. Mm. I come from the neighborhood. You know, that's two different things. And so even in that, she was like, you know, I didn't know what fork to use on what side. I just grabbed the food and started eating. You know, um, we had a five star restaurant. I was eating like I'm at a JJ's Fish and Chicken. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and what she was explaining to me is that you haven't been exposed to a lot of different things. So you don't know. And you're now you're being exposed for what you don't know. And I was like, wow, that blew me away. And so what I did was I tried to yeah. go and find and do and know as much as I started going to museums and and I would, I, I would join the symphony orchestra. And, you know, of course, I was a musician. And so I began to be exposed to a lot of different things. And so it made my palate uh, more acceptable to different things. And we as the church, we have failed to do that. We don't have to take in everything. But if the only people that I associate look like me and listen to me. I'm not going to be able to represent really what God wants me to do if I'm in that position as a worship leader or as a pastor, mm -hmm. as a youth director. I'm not going to be able to 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 meet the needs of everybody that walks in that door because I'm only dealing with those who went to seminary with me. I'm only dealing with those who live in my suburban neighborhood or those who live in the hood with me, who, who mm. went to hood uh, 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 theology school. You know, uh, those are the only people that I'm only going to be around the, the bishops and the, and, 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 the, and the preacher preachers. You know, if that's my community, I'm not going to be able to sit down with a group of people in a larger setting and speak to their needs because that's not what I've been exposed to. Sure. And so that's the plight of where we are as worship leaders uh, in the church, because we haven't been exposed. And it's not because we we can't. We just won't. There's the difference. You know, I, I was talking to a, a worship leader just the other day. He was like, Marvin, I really want to. You know, I was talking to a pastor. Please forgive me. He says, Marvin, you know, uh, uh, I want to be multicultural in our worship. I think our church needs to be that way. And I think our worship needs to be depicted of that, you know? So, you know, you know, would you like to be a part of our church? I was like, no, I don't want to be a part of your church, but I can explain to you how that can become. I said, first of all, it starts with you as a pastor. What does your community look like? Not your church, but what does your community look like? Who are you in fellowship with? Who are you in community with? Because if that's not who you are, it won't be what your church will be. And if that's not the desire of that worship leader mm -hmm. to genuinely have relationships with Hispanic, Asian, Russian, you know, Yugoslavian, you know, all these other kind of things. If that's not generally who they are, then it's going to be impossible for them to develop a palette of music that will be able to depict that. They will try to do it and people will see that and it'll be so all unthink. And they would only do it so they can say, I told you it wasn't going to work. See, that's what we do. So, you know, I tried to be mm -hmm. pastor. You want to do this? And so I tried it and it didn't work. We tried to do this gospel song. We tried to do this Spanish song or we tried to do this song in Igbo, which is an African language. You know, we tried to do this, you know, reggae tune and we tried to do it and it didn't work. Pastor, I told you it wasn't going to work. We shouldn't be doing this. We just need to do what we are because we are who we are. And you are who you are. You're exactly right. You are who you are. And you expose yourself that you are not open to being exposed to other relationships and other people. So you will only have a small view mm. of who God is. Mm. Wow. Holy cow. So much in there. Marvin, we, we, we could have you talking here for like another two hours at least. Uh, and, and I feel like what you're doing is, is challenging assumptions that we're all making across the board, no matter what yeah, background right, you're coming from. 
I think just challenging us to think outside of ourselves, which is something that, that I find a lot of our guests are, yeah. are asking us to do. No matter where, you know, no matter what subject we're talking about, it seems to always come back to that, to, to thinking outside of our own natural little spheres and think a bigger picture of what God is doing around us and in other people's lives, that maybe we don't have all the answers that there are in the entire universe. So, uh, you know, the way Peter and I always like to end this convo is, is just to say, what would Jesus have to say about this? And certainly you've done an awesome job of that already. And hey, man, we could, we could already put a, just hang it up and say, just listen to what Marvin said. That's what he, that's what Jesus would have to say about this, but we'll try. So Peter and I are going to try our best and then, uh, and then we'll let you do the, the, the real good, uh, you know, the, the cleanup batter. We'll let you just go into the batter's box and just hit one over the, over the fence for us. So, um, Peter, you want to start there? I don't know. Sure. Sure. I'll, um, so, you know, a song that I, I have on repeat is by The Killers, and it's called Caution. And what I love about The Killers um, is all of their lyrics are based in reality, but with hope. So they're not afraid to talk about the darkness. They're not afraid to kind of go to the difficult places, but there's also this reality of hope. And one of the last lines of this song is, because is it some kind of sin to live your whole life on what might have been? And I've been thinking about those lyrics a lot because I think about I think about Jesus and how he he changes people's lives and how they can live out that lyric of, you know, can I live my whole life on what might have been? And I think about this topic of music and meaning and you know, even I'm I'm trying to process through the cognitive dissonance that we can listen to a diverse bunch of music and still not be changed by. Obviously, Jesus changes us, but it's not just being exposed to it. It's having your heart exposed to it. And, you know, I'm leaving this conversation of why our music divides us that maybe we've been forsaking this whole conversation that Jesus is saying, enter into the most uncomfortable worship setting enter in to with people that you haven't spent time with be challenged because there's there's a sense that you can live up to what might have been in the past and so i don't know that's what i'm thinking about wow yeah that's good pedro and i do appreciate the killer's references wow that was good um for me uh as i think about this marvin and just what you've been sharing uh how would jesus respond to this I think one of the things that Jesus says is out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. And I would say out of the overflow of your, your heart, your mouth sings even. And um, I think Jesus would, would be asking, uh, besides style, like what's coming out of your mouth? Like, and what is, what is it that you're expressing and, and take, use this as an opportunity to look inward, not to critique a, a style, but to look inward in your own life and to go, what is, what is coming out? What is, what am I expressing? And I think that's what he cares more about than the stylistic this way or that way. It's what's going on inside of our hearts. And 
I think that's what Jesus would challenge. So I think with that, I think Jesus would be op- would encourage us to be open to different styles in different places. He'd be like, hey, I created this whole world. Why don't you actually explore that? But then utilize what's going on underneath the surface of your life as you're, you know, expressing these things in within the context of music. So um, I just, yeah. That's where I think Jesus would have to say. But Marvin, what do you Man, what do you got to say? Both, what do you think Jesus would have to so say? Both of you guys are so on this? it. You know, um, the thing about it is, is that when you look back at, okay, man, sometimes we have regrets. It's like, oh, man, I wish I would have done that. And I wish I could have done this and things of that nature. And it's like, you know what? I'm not going to live my life with regrets. I'm going I'm going to do this. I'm I'm going I'm going to push outside of where I'm at to see what happens in that. It may not be successful, but I'm going to push outside of that. It may be uncomfortable, but I'm going to push outside of that. And that's what Jesus encouraged uh, uh his disciples to do. He says, "Launch out to the deep." You know, you're accustomed to being right here. Mm-hmm. But I want you to go further. I want you to do more. And if, when I instruct you to do more, you will see more happening in that aspect of it. And that's where we as believers uh, should be. You know, as, as you said, it's not the style, you know, because, you know, I would never be able to do this and that authentically like somebody else. But the content that which I am pouring into my heart, how I am reading scripture, how I am studying scripture, how I am I interpreting scripture will now flow into how I'm singing and how I'll be open to what songs to sing. Not just the worship leader on the stage, but us sitting in the pews because we figured that the worship leader has to entertain us and you got to take us to the Lord. No, man. Worship is a a movement of of everybody that we're going to sing these songs. And this is our opportunity to give to you. God, I don't know this song. And this song even sounds weird to me. You know, I'm not used to this guitar droning and the bass drum just coom, coom, coom. But because the lyrics are trying to draw me in, I'm going to sing these lyrics. And these lyrics is what I'm focusing in on. And as I focus in on these lyrics, I begin to see God in a new way. There's a song that I've been doing uh, uh, by Ghost Ship. And just the name in and of itself, I was like, man, there's a worship group called Ghost Ship. Yeah. (laughs) There's a song that they do that has, we're we're in the book of Habakkuk and and, uh, uh, with the series that we've been doing. And the song uh, by Ghost Ship, it says, where were you? That's the name of the song. And I want y'all to go to listen to it. And when they, when they first sent it to me and said, Marvin, have you thought of this song? And I was like, man, this is, like, man, this is weird, man. I feel uncomfortable in my spirit, you know, just what was happening with it. But then as I begin to listen to the lyrics of the song, it burst into my heart. It's like, God, I'm complaining about why the country is this way. And I'm complaining about why you haven't come. But I wasn't there when you created the country. I wasn't there when you opened the skies. I wasn't there. So how can I judge you and challenge you not being here right now? And that song just opened. Man, it's one of my favorite songs right now. But I was exposed to it from a relationship of some people who don't look like me, who don't talk like me, who don't act like me, who don't vote like me. And I love it, man. And that's where we are as the believers in the body of Christ. We get to challenge one another in our relationships of worship. I was only exposed to that through this young man because we have a relationship. And in my relationship, and I think this is probably the most important thing uh, uh, for, for, for all worship leaders to understand. Your relationship offstage translates more than your than what you do on stage. 
And Peter, you can attest to this. When I come to Browncroft, I like hanging out, man. I'm, I'm in the crowd. I'm talking to people. I'm there before. I'm there after during the service. You know, they're like, Marvin, it's time for you to get back on stage. Oh, yeah, I'm, I just want to be there, man. I want to be a relationship. So when I stand on stage, it doesn't become a concert. It becomes a moment where I have a friend who's sharing a song with me. Maybe I need to listen to this. Maybe I need to draw towards this song. And it's been so incredible when I get to come to Browncroft and see the people just excited about a different song that I introduced to them. They're like, Oh, we've never done that before. Yes, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Right. Because we have a relationship <laughs> that is throughout the year on Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, man. And as worship leaders, I think that's where we can do our greatest work is in our relationships with God and with people. So when we stand on the stage, we are open to doing things and seeing things in a different light. We want to do everybody else's songs, but there are so many songs that we should be writing just from being in relationship with those who are at our church because we're in relationship with them. We can speak into where they are. And so whether it's a style thing and flavor thing and all those things come and go. But your desire to meet me where I'm at as a leader will translate any and everything of that. And so that's what I love about worship. I'm thankful for worship. I'm thankful for music because, it, again, it can bring us together, although we have been so divided. And I don't want it to be that way always. And Peter, we talked about this as I close, how the translation of, you know, a uh, uh, um, uh, elevation and a Israel Houghton have come together or a Tasha Cobbs and a uh, uh, um, uh, uh, maybe a Natalie Grant, you know, Two totally different styles, gospels and see, but they're doing stuff together at the devil wards and things. That, and man, it's opening up the community so greatly. It's like, man, can the church grab onto that? Just not just the stars, but can we as believers grab onto that and get involved in that? We may not agree on everything, but we can love under the banner of God. And that's where we want to be at right now. And so thank you guys so much for the opportunity mm. to just come in here and just talk about, you know, um, where we are. Um, your podcast is so important, guys, and I want you to understand this, not because you're my friends, but your podcast is so important because it challenges us as listeners to really look at why, God, why? Why, 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 why am I at this point? Why, why do I feel this way? Why am I saying these kind of things? Why? And your information and the people that you bring on here are so in, in, incredible for us because we get a different perspective of what we would think. Why, God? And so I would challenge you guys to go listen to that song by mm. Ghost Ship. Where were you? Uh, it's going to really bless your soul. It's a little different, but it's going to bless your soul. Love you guys, Good. man. Thank you all so much for having me, man. Look forward to coming back it. whenever you want me. Oh, thanks, hey, Marvin. We're going to do cow. it. And uh, Ghost Ship. Look for it in the show ship. notes right now. And then I don't know. I M- don't know if it's going to. I don't have the authority <laughs> to do that. I, I don't even know what I'm doing. I just John- say put it in the show notes. I just assume somebody's going to put it in the show notes. It's, I don't know. It, it's in the it's in yeah. it's in the transcript. And yeah. uh, well, uh, make sure you find Marvin on um, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. He has a website M Marvin uh, music, I believe. So we've been tagging him. And uh, just uh, make sure you share this with your friends. I think this is a good conversation. Whether you go to church or not, if you know someone that goes to church, send this to them and challenge them on it. And if you go to church and you know that someone cares about music, I think this is a great podcast to have a conversation. We hope that you have a great day. Give us a five-star review. Write us some good stuff. Subscribe. We love you. Why God Why? That's it. That's it.